there, and you had that list of 101 names of Jesus, um, and say, oh, what does the Bible say? Why is he called this? Then please do that. I didn't make new copies. I, I had copies attached to the, to the lesson last week. Um, but if you, if you desire a copy of that, just, just talk to me, email me, and I can send you a PDF of it, and you can choose names. So, so in other words, towards the end, like, like on um, the Sunday the 18th and, and the 31st, we'll have um, time for, for that. Okay, so let's continue on here. Um, we say it... Oh, are there any questions or comments about last week, by the way? Okay, good. Well, one thing we have to um, understand is that, is that we're used to saying Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, and we say it like a name, correct? And that's, that's not problematic. I mean, I, I, have a, I have a name, right? It's called pastor, right? <laughs> no, no, so, so people call me pastor, which is fine. I mean, they, they use it as a name, even though that's my title. Christ is his title, Jesus is his name. Okay, and so we, we but we need to explore that a little bit. Um, the word Christ um, comes from um, Greek word creo, which is to anoint with oil. And uh, um, the related word of Christ in the Old Testament would be Mashiach. For example, HaMashiach is the Messiah, the anointed one. So they're a, a looking forward to the anointed one. And so we see anointing with oil in the Old Testament. And so you designated this person of God, for God, to serve God, and a special person. So, for example, you see the king anointed in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Okay, and so he's anointed to be king. And I'm just going to go through these. We're not going to read these passages. Um, and by the way, as I'm preparing this Bible study, I, I'm faced with the, the, the temptation from my personality to, to go into a kind of a theological exposition of how all these passages function within every one of these books that I give you and give you a larger context. But the object will be of the, of the classes to give you as many names and titles of Jesus and to go over what those names and titles mean. And the Bible passages are used to, to show you where that is seen in Scripture, not to go into the, the full explanation of each one of these texts, which is um, uh, very tempting to do because there's some wonderful texts that these titles and names occur in. And I'll, I'll mention some of that, but, but not, not too extensively. So the, the high priest is anointed in Exodus 28, 41. So who's the first high priest? Aaron, yes. Aaron, okay, and we see 1 Kings 19, the, the prophet Elisha is anointed. So remember, Elijah is tasked with anointing Elisha to succeed him. So Elisha is the anointed one to succeed Elijah. Now, there is a passage, so if you have your Bibles, um, we do want to look at Luke 4, and I know most of the passages I'm printing out, but I did not print out Luke 4, 18 to 21. In Luke 4, 18 to 21, um, so Jesus goes in synagogue at, in Nazareth on the Sabbath day, stood up to read, verse 17, I'm going to introduce it. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it's written, 
the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he wrote up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on, fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus is acknowledging that he is the Christ. He is the anointed one of the Lord, as prophesied in Isaiah 61 right, right here. And we have the confession of Peter. You know, where, where who, do, who do people say that I am? And not surprisingly, there's a lot of different answers, right? There's a lot of different answers. But who do you say that I am? And Peter semi-confesses Christ, right? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, right? Say semi, because does Peter understand Christ, the, the, the term Christ at that point in time? No, because the next story, especially Matthew, Mark, is Jesus predicting his crucifixion, Peter rebuking Jesus, and Jesus turning around saying, get behind me, Satan. So he's not quite understanding Christ yet in the full context. And so, I, I, and that's, I point out, that's what I have, the larger context in, in the Gospel of Mark is, is 8, 22 to, to 38. Okay, so Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Now, in my language, I try as much as possible when I'm speaking about the Old Testament, I use the word Christ as opposed to Jesus because he's not given the name Jesus until his circumcision on the eighth day. Now, you know, it's a, but we know he's, we know who he is and that's true. So I'm not going to, I'm not overly critical about that, but, but this is just my, my trying to use technical language to, to explain the pre-incarnate Christ and, and predominant, his predominance in the Old Testament. Okay, so Christ is used almost as a common name and that's good. And it's also interchangeable and I know, um, for example, sometimes it's Jesus Christ, sometimes it's Christ Jesus, and I've not ever, you know, been tempted to do a kind of an exact study of, of those occurrences and see if I could, you know, do, you know, make some sense out of that, but I haven't done it, you know, and so it's, and I, I don't know that there, there is. So, so just interesting, and of course, um, titles and, and, and names in order is not as important in Greek as it is in, in English anyway. Any questions or, or comments about Christ and the importance of that title, that title, Christ? No questions? Okay. Very, I was very important because he is Jesus. And, and, and sometimes it makes more sense to say Jesus the Christ. Does that make sense? You know, um, or, or the, the Christ, Jesus, and, and, and having the, the word the, but sometimes the word the doesn't appear in the Greek text, so, so that you have to look at, at, at every occurrence. Okay, so we want to move on to the term Lord, the term Lord, and we, we kind of covered this last week, so I'm going to be very brief about that. Um, Lord is, the, the, in, in the Old Testament, capital L-O-R-D, as we said last week, is, is they would reflectively say that to avoid saying the name of God. Okay, and we say the name is God Yahweh, but that's probably, that's not going to be even a correct pronunciation. It's really impronounceable because God is above us. Um, but they would so avoid trying to mess up God's name. They respected God's name so much that they'd say the Hebrew word for Lord at that point in time. And 
and so I point out that in Genesis 1, and, and, it's, and it's interesting, the theology of Genesis 1 and 2, Genesis 1 is just God. In the beginning, what God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 2, now you see Lord God. Lord God. Now, why is that? Because, because Genesis 2, now God is more personal. We see the personal creation of Adam, the personal creation of, of Eve, um, and, and the command of the Lord God to Adam to work and not to eat of the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. So it becomes more personal. So it makes sense that now Lord is, is now the Lord God. And so now God's personal name is used in Genesis 2. Um, which brings us to Jesus being called Lord. Now we know from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, no one could call Jesus is, is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So, so unless the Holy Spirit convinces you and brings you to faith so that you confess that Jesus is Lord, you're not going to confess in the truest sense. He's Lord in the sense that Jesus is, is Yahweh. He's Yahweh incarnate. And so we have this amazing occurrence in John chapter 20, and he gets a very, 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 very bad name called Doubting Thomas. Uh, did he doubt any more than the rest of the apostles? No, no. They were all present the first night, and Jesus had to show them his hands inside that first, that first Easter evening because they were doubting the, the testimony of the women. And, and so, so Thomas, though, um, doesn't believe their testimony. This, this is a bad mark on his, his side. But when he does see Jesus, and never says that he touches him, he says, my Lord and my God. So this would be um, one Jewish male looking two feet away from him to another Jewish male and saying, Yahweh and Elohim. And and if you have any understanding of the Old Testament, that this is impossible, right? No, this is God incarnate. So it's a tremendous confession of faith. So to say Jesus is Lord, or say Lord Jesus Christ is a tremendous confession of the incarnation of our Lord and the two natures of Christ, true God and true man. Okay, um, questions, comments? Okay, we're going to keep on moving. I have to say that. Four sheets of paper for you. Okay, so, so this next one is Son of Man. Son of Man. Now, Son of Man is used in a, in a different, it's, it's a rather difficult phrase, and if you want to read, read on, that's, that's fine. When Jesus uses the term Son of Man, he's using it as most akin to Daniel chapter 7. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came uh, one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion and shall not pass away. And his kingdom that, that shall not be destroyed. So here, here is Ancient of the Days, Father, Son of Man right here is the Son but not, this is not um, talking about human nature right here. It's, it's rather a relationship to the, to the Father right here, one like the Son of Man. So the Son of Man is actually a divine term. Divine term. It's not, um, not with that, that hymn, you know, beautiful Savior. What? What does it say? Son of God and Son of Man. Very confusing. But, uh, but the, now the original hymn is, Shainster Herr Jesu, Gottes Zone und Marian's zone. 
God's son and Mary's son is the, is the original of that. So, so the English begins to be a little bit confusing because then you think of son of man as really designated as human nature. But when Jesus uses it, he, um, he's using it in terms of being the incarnate Lord and, and the true Messiah. Now, it's unique because you don't see this in a lot of Jewish literature. So it's, it's, it's not like you're seeing son of man, son of man, son of man all over the place. So this is why it's rather confusing. But Jesus takes this, especially from Daniel chapter 7, and use it of himself so much so that, that when you, you have uh, Matthew 26, we do want to look at this passage. You have said so, but I tell you from now on, you will see the Son of Man, see at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, he is uttered, what? Blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? He deserves death. And he spit on his face and struck him, slapped him, prophesied, you Christ, Who's it that struck you? And then, and then I do want to do um, Mark 10, because Mark 10, 45, I mean, um, you should know scripture passages where they are, right? Okay, Mark 10, 45 is like, like how many of you know where the Christmas story is? Luke 2, right? Uh, John 3, what? 16. 16. Psalm, the, the Good Shepherd Psalm is? Psalm 23, yes, yes. So, so Mark 10, 45, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay, so, so Jesus is taking this term Son of Man and applying it to himself and really um, amplifying, because the reason I say that in the Old Testament, for example, Ezekiel has the most occurrences of Son of Man, but it's usually in terms of Ezekiel, being a man, being God's prophet, but has no, no sense of, of the divine. And so Jesus is using it in the sense of Daniel chapter, chapter 7. Okay, so any questions, comments? Okay, you know, again, problem is when there's no questions or comments, either the professors, yes, go ahead, Rachel. Okay, yes. Say, so in the Daniel 7, yes. it says um, there came one like a son of man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that you can see him in a form that he appears as a son. So he's pre incarnate, so it appears yeah. as he will be. And, and you have these appearances of the pre incarnate Christ, for example, um, um, when he comes to Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre. And, and, and who is this fourth person with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? So, so his appearance that looks like, but it, yes, but it is right, so one. Yeah, yeah, and, and anticipating and anticipating his incarnation also. So, um, so and then, then of course you have these passages. The Son of Man's coming at the last day. You have these passages also in the, in the Gospels. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, I, I'd love to go into all these passages. <laughs> I really would. You know, so so I, um, it was just so much. I mean, for example, in the Advent hymn. I've not even covered the the um, you know you notice the Advent hymn. I chose this hymn. Uh, one, because it's Advent now, and two, because of the number of the names of, of, of Christ and titles, um, lowly king, son incarnate, uh, Advent of our king, but then the, the fourth stanza, uh, as judge on clouds of, of light, and, we'll, and to talk about Jesus as, as judge. But he's both judge and intercessor for you as the ascended Lord. Very, very important, very important. Okay. So one thing I wanted to talk about today is, is titles of Jesus. We talk about, especially in Lutheran theology, the threefold office of Christ as prophet, priest, 
and, and king. Okay. Um, now, the term prophet, and, and I'm going to short circuit this, and, you know, good, good classes is, is let you guys put on board what you think like a prophet, especially prophet's kind of confusing, right? You, you think in terms of prophecy, in terms of, okay, here we are, 2023, tell me what's going to happen in 2024, right? You know, uh, uh, that, that often, but that's really not the truest sense of prophet. The prophet, prophets on occasion do proclaim what will happen in the future. They do sometimes proclaim what will happen in the far distant future. For example, um, you have in Isaiah chapter 65, a prophecy of a new heavens and a new earth. And obviously it's taken up by, by John in the Revelation chapters 21 and 22 to extent in 2 Peter chapter 3 and, and other passages about the new heavens and the new earth. And so you have prophecies, obviously the, the most gory description of the crucifixion are Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53. So you do have prophecies of the, of the future. And by the way, Isaiah 53 also predicts the resurrection of Christ. Okay, so there are future things, but and sometimes the future events by the prophet in the Old Testament might be occurring in their lifetime, such as a famine's going to come or, or you're going to go into exile. Okay, but a prophet is more than this. The prophet is designated by God to proclaim the Lord's word. Okay, and so, and so the, the message of repentance for example, Hosea, Amos, um, later on Jeremiah is very much the role of the prophet. Um, Elijah. But we have to always have to go back. The, but going back, we have to understand Moses as prophet of God. And so in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, this is a very significant passage. The Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. And so in John 1, 21, and they asked him, what then, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. In other words, in other words, John the Baptist is recognizing he is not the prophet foretold in Deuteronomy chapter 18. And so, and so Jesus is the prophet. The true one who proclaims God's word is, is Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and then, for example, Acts 3, it, more, more explicitly, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from others. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And then Acts chapter 7, this is Stephen's sermon. Um, and, and so the prophet makes known God, especially Jesus is the truest prophet. Look at John 1, 18. No one has ever seen God. The only God who's at the Father's side, he has made him known. Only the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, can truly make known the first person of the Trinity, the Heavenly Father. So Jesus is the truest prophet that there, that there is. Um, and, um, and then the, Hebrews chapter 3 points out that Moses is even more fulfilled in, 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 in Jesus. So Jesus is the true prophet of God who points in the best possible way because of his being the incarnate Lord, but also his word, what, what, what God is like, what God's will is, and the salvation found in the Lord and found really in, in himself. So Jesus is the true prophet. Two, two things I, I bring from, from this is one, help you understand you know, the nature of prophet of the Old Testament, especially going back to Moses being designated by the Lord to be the prophet of the Lord. And then you see a continuation and um, 
And so this, for example, if you want, uh, that, that is continued then, then in Elijah, because both Moses and Elijah specifically are commissioned by God and given his word on where? Mount Sinai, right? So if you're wondering, uh, you know, when I was a lot younger, you, you asked the question, Jesus on the Mount Transfiguration. Why Moses and Elijah? Where's David? Where's Abraham, right? Where's, uh, where's Israel, i.e. Jacob? Uh, in other words, these other, Joshua, these other great, great, you know, figures of the Old Testament. Moses and Elijah, the, um, the prophet, and then the, the new prophet, both who have met God on the mountain. And once again, they're meeting God on the mountain and proclaiming and talking about his exodus. Uh, Luke chapter 9. Okay, and, so, and the second thing is, so, so understanding better the concept of prophet, and then especially that Jesus is the true prophet, the true one designated to proclaim the Lord's word as the word incarnate, um, and he is the true prophet of God who has made the Father known to you and to me. Okay. Any questions, comments? And you're saying that Elijah and Moses were then the closest steps on the road to that? Well, they're the two one that God had revealed himself directly on Mount Sinai. And so now on the Mount Transfiguration, we have a replication of Mount Sinai. And once again, meeting God on Mount Sinai, being Moses and Elijah once again. But there's more to it than that. I don't want to, you know, again, the Transfiguration. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, I, I love the Transfiguration. You know, I mean, because it's so deep. Because there, there Jesus reveals his glory. The only time you see, oh, this is who Jesus is, right? Then he hides it and tells his... His disciples, Peter, James, and John, shut up, don't tell anyone about this. I thought you want, you know, and, and of course that's always very confusing to us because we're told from, at least I was told from this high, how high on, you tell people about Jesus, right? You know, so what's Jesus telling people not to tell people about Jesus? Well, because they don't know Jesus yet. He's not died, he's not risen. So, so, so the transfiguration is this marvelous thing. Um, and, and, then, and then Jesus hides his glory. And then especially you see this in the Gospel of Luke. Now he's going to go to Jerusalem to die. And so it's this marvelous, marvelous thing. But Moses and Elijah related to Mount Sinai, and that's why they're, they're there. And, and, and it's, there's, there's really a lot more to it than that. But we want to go to priest. Jesus is priest. And this is a great one right here, because the priest does what? The priest does what in the Old Testament? Intercedes to God for his people. And so... And he, does, and, and he does this by prayers, but also he does this by what? Sacrifice. Offering the sacrifice, yes. Yes, so Jesus is the, the priest. Okay, and, and we have this passage in Psalm 110, verse 4. Obviously, going back to the book of Genesis, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, why is this important? Because Abra, Abraham um, takes an offering gives a tithe to Melchizedek, this priest and king of Salem. And, and of course, we know nothing about him, and that, that's it. But, but it shows, therefore, that the, that the priesthood that will be derived from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, and ultimately Levitical priesthood is not superior, but rather points ahead to the priesthood that is of the order of Melchizedek, which is the priesthood of Christ, because he is the great high priest will offer the once and for all sacrifice for sins on the cross. Okay, um, Hebrews 7, uh, this becomes even more evident than another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, 
but by the power of an indestructible life, for the witness of him, you are priests forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so Jesus is that great high priest and who's offered the once and for all sacrifice. So he is priest and sacrifice. And we see this also, in, and uh, for example, John the Baptist points to him as what the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, and, and understanding this, and you have Jesus' high priestly prayer, for example, in John chapter 17, where he intercedes on our behalf. But Jesus' intercession uh, will continue even today. Uh, Romans chapter 8, as the ascended Lord, he intercedes on our behalf before the Father. So he is still, and he can intercede on, the, on, the, on our behalf because of his once for all sacrifice. We have a basis for his intercession with the Heavenly Father because he is that great high priest. And, and I really commend to you on the book of Hebrews to, to explore this and it's great comforting because we have a high priest ascended, passed through the heavens, Jesus is the Son of God, let us hold passion. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy, find grace, to help in time of need. And again, very important to see Hebrews as, as a communion servant. And so drawing near is not just metaphorical, but we do draw near, receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And, that's, and, and, um, and we have a blood, the blood that we receive from the altar is a blood that speaks better than the blood of Abel, um, Hebrews chapter, chapter 12. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, he is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Okay, so he's prophet, priest, and king. Any questions about prophet or priest? Okay, so he's also king. 2 Samuel chapter 7, the promise is given to David, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. He will be great, and be called, this is to Mary, Gabriel's message to Mary, and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. Um, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, of course, they call him King of Jews, but Jesus declares to Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world, my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that it might not be delivered to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Okay, a uh, little, little note about, about this in this passage. Uh, um, it's listening to, a, uh, as, as I do often, uh, Issues Etc. And um, they had a really good podcast explaining um, the, how to view physical land in the, in the Bible, okay? And especially vis-a-vis -vis some of the events happening in the Middle East right now and how it's, that is actually disconnected from from prophecies of the end times, et cetera, like this. Um, and, but rather, we as the people of God are awaiting a new kingdom, a new heavens, and a new earth. But if you want to explore this further, and, but and, and in depth, uh, Dr. Lessing from uh, um, Concordia St. Paul has talked about this recent uh, podcast on, on issues, et cetera. I mean, so um, again, you know, I, I listen to podcasts. If you have an opportunity of a computer, I mean, it's, I, I would commend to you, especially Issues, et cetera, does a really, really good job. I mean, and, um, you know, our own Adam Francisco is on, on two different podcasts, Faith and Reason, where it's basic apologetics, but also Thinking Fellows, too, if you want to listen to a little bit. He, he's part of a group in both those. Okay, King. So um, 
So, so Psalm 110, we've already quoted it before, but the Lord says, my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter, rule in the midst of your enemies. And so the Lord said to my Lord, and then Jesus quotes this passage concerning himself at the end of his dispute on Tuesday of Holy Week with the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I put your enemies under your feet. And, and, and therefore, after his resurrection, Jesus, the exalted one, could say, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And of course, Revelation chapter 19, and on his robe and on his thigh shall be written the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So he indeed is king in the best sense of the term, and, he, and his kingdom is an eternal kingdom. Um, and the kingdoms of this world do pass away. Now, now, this doesn't mean we don't live in our own time, but the kingdoms of this age do pass away, okay? Um, famously, I, uh, um, I, I can't remember um, the ex exact uh, um, election. I was um, reading an article recently where um, uh, Anthony Eslin, I mean, now, you know, I disagree with him about, about some things because I mean, he's a very devout Catholic, but he, he wrote an article talking about in his younger life, he was looking, everything's all excited, how, how many good things are going to happen in this age, and you can look and, you know, and, and, and see more of the kingdom of this world. And he's learned, though, at, at times that, that, that princes will disappoint you, right? You know, and, and earthly events come and go, but, but the kingdom of our God remains forever. And it's a good article, uh, arguing against a kind of nostalgic view of history, et cetera, like this. And it's very, very good articles in the journal Touchstone. Um, and he, I, he made something to the point of, uh, of who really remembers, and he's, you know, the election of, uh, of um, you know, the, was it um, Grover Cleveland and, and Harrison? Is that right? Benjamin Harrison? Is that right? Is that, a, what? <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah, I mean, but, but in other words, in other words, you know, at that time, that election seemed like the be-all and end-all of the United States, right? And, okay, and, and, and so many things, you know, things come and, come and go, I mean, you know, uh, um, in, in terms of elections and this and, and, and that, and of course you had the, you know, the, the Holy Roman Empire and century. I mean, there's just so many, history goes up and down and stuff like this, but the kingdom of God remains forever. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Any questions or comments? Prophet, priest, and king. So Jesus holds all three of these titles, and, and, and it's very significant that he, that he does, and, and he is the true... Yes, Ty, yes. Yeah, yeah. Can you explain, is there an explanation for that? I'm sure there is. <laughs> a, you know, I mean... Um, you know, I, 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 you know, and I don't think this, is, I, I don't think the scriptures ad, I don't think this is a passage to advocate to have Jesus' name on your thigh. Okay, I, I don't, I, I don't, but I, I really don't know. I mean, you know, to be quite honest with them, I, I, you know, Revelation is one of the courses I took in graduate school, and we didn't dwell on this verse a whole lot either. So it's a, I. I Yeah, my, 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 or, or, you know, or, or Deuteronomy chapter six, you know, you know, that, that you have, have God's written upon you, upon you. And so, so you have this, you know, um, you know, 
the front lats and, uh, and also the, what was it, the mezuzah and at, at, at your door. So it's written on the door. And so you see, for example, the movie Ben-Hur, and it gives, he, he gives a sign of devotion and touches the, the, the word of the little scroll on, on, on his door, right next to his door. And so might be related to that. I, I don't know. I can look that up, though. I mean, I do have, you know, probably 900-page commentary on Revelation. <laughs> uh, I think I got two of those, actually. So it's a, um, that we can find. And, and this, uh, I will look, look this up. And Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, um, you know, there, the, the fancy term, and, and we, we learned this uh, um, in, in both in Greek and Hebrew, that, uh, that when we had a, a test and we were supposed to give an answer, and sometimes we had to give the answer in Greek or Hebrew, right? Uh, can't do it now. And so we, we learned very quickly how to put, I don't know, in Greek or Hebrew. <laughs> yeah, so, and so, so uh, um, you know, <laughs> but we didn't put, I don't care. No, 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 okay. We would not do that with these professors, I can tell you that. So, so um, anyway. Um, moving ahead, we've already alluded to a, a hymn, Shainster Jesu, which is, which is beautiful Jesus Christ in, 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 in the German, okay? It's, um, it's not beautiful Savior, but that's, translating hymns is very difficult. So, so um, I, I, I don't want to be very, very critical at all to translate hymns and get the right rhyme and meter. It's a laborious, difficult, difficult task, okay? And, and we see this in our hymnody, and, and, and it's hard. So, so um, we want to move on to the term Savior. We use the term Savior a lot, but I think we're largely ignorant of the truest sense of the, of the term Savior. So when we're considering salvation, think not only of saved from, but especially saved for. But especially saved for. We typically talk in terms of, you know, want to be saved from sin, death, and hell, right? But not saved for our Lord Jesus did total restoration. The word salvation to save uh, comes, from a, comes from the Hebrew sense of, of total restoration. You have to understand the Hebrew mindset, and by the way, this is the biblical mindset, is that, is that we don't think in terms of, of, a, of body and soul and, and that they can easily be separated and, and therefore, you know, heaven is just being floating in clouds. Some of this, but body and soul are united. And, and so... What God desires complete restoration of believer, body, and soul. And this is what Jesus brings about. So, for example, the Greek word to save is also used by people when they ask for physical healing. Because physical healing, physical disease is a result of the fall. So Jesus bringing about physical healing is, uh, is a reversal of the fall and anticipation of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. In anticipation of what he brings by his own resurrection. So, so salvation is salvation for, and it includes not only the total restoration of the physical body, the new but also the new heavens and the new earth, completely away, yes, indeed, saved from the devil and decay and dread, despair, disease, death. That's not going to be even in the picture anymore. So salvation is, is, is mainly in the sense of salvation for, not as much salvation from, although you obviously have to have that. So, so restoration of, of sight to the blind is, is, yes, indeed, removal of sight, of, of blindness. But more importantly, now the person can see. Now the person can hear. Now the person can walk. Um, and the old thing is taken away. Um, and we are saved from sin, death, and hell. True. But we're saved most especially for 
um, being with our Lord, Lord Jesus. Um, so when we say unto is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord, all that Christ promises to be, and go back to the Old Testament promises of the restoration, um, really it's a restoration and renewal all the way back to the, to, the new, to the Garden of Eden and a complete lack of sin and a complete restoration of fellowship with, with God. And so hence in the Bible, um, it's, 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 it's helpful um, to think in terms of, of how the Bible begins, but then the Bible ending, especially the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, that there will be once again the tree of life yielding its fruit 12 months of the year on both sides of the river. And so where do you see the tree of life? Garden of Eden. And, and you have the promise of the tree of life once again, the very last chapter of the Bible. And so it's a, it's a newer, even better restoration because there's not going to be any more chance of the fall. And once again, we will be fully in the, in the fellowship with our Lord face to face, such as Adam and Eve had. But it'd be, now it would be all the saints gathered for all time in the presence of our, of our Lord. And salvation belongs to our God um, is in the book of Revelation. So um, I have a lot of passages about, about um, um, Savior right here. You know, in terms of the Old Testament rescue of, of God, um, um, you know, to, to be rescued from our adversaries, to be restored. Um, Mary and her magnificent, my, my soul magnifies, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And so Mary's words are, are very precious right there. Um, um, Acts chapter 5, Peter's sermon, God exalted him at the right hand as leader and Savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Um, and then Philippians 3, 20, 21, is, it's, it's a very helpful passage. I, 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 it's a marvelous passage, Philippians chapter 3. But our citizenship is in heaven. Remember, the Philippians were, um, this is a Roman colony in the midst of Macedonia. So these Roman colonists had Roman citizenship, and their neighbors one town over weren't Roman citizens. They were conquered peoples. Does that make sense? And so these colonists were, could brag about the Roman citizenship. But to these members of the church, now who are baptized in Christ, Paul has to tell them this, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior. So again, um, the Lord Jesus, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. And, and so here you see the, the emphasis, the promise of the restoration, the glorious body likened to his glorious body. And so you see this more emphasis. And, and I think as Christians, you know, we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth. And there's nothing to be compared. Nothing to be compared. And, and really divine service then is a rehearsal for that. Um, yeah, I, I got more passages about this. And, and I, I don't know, I can't summarize them all. There, there's just, there's a lot of stuff, but... But that term Savior is a very, very rich and deep, deep term. And again, I think that the onus much more than saved from is on saved for. Saved for. You know, um, I've known people in my, my lifetime, obviously, and I'm approaching uh, that age right now, though I have no intention of retiring. You know, I love being here telling you about Jesus, okay? Um, but there's a lot of people that, that for one reason or another, um, you know, you know, they're, they're 63 years old, and all of a sudden the company says, you're out of here. Well, they're they, they retired from, right? But they're not retired for. Or they just hate their job so much, they, they, 
Then they figure out, when could I get out of here? Boom, I'm retiring from. They're not really retiring for. And oftentimes when people don't, don't have something for retirement, what happens to them? They, they age quickly, and before you know it, their, their earthly life is gone. So, so you retire from, but, but especially retire for is, is one, one thing. So you, you, you move from, but you need some, a goal. And we do have, so he's a savior from and a savior for um, life and salvation. And, and the new heavens and new earth, the glorious new body. And there's no comparison with Jesus promises as, as savior. Any questions or comments? I'm going to talk about redeemer next week. I, I don't, redeemer is again, we use the term a lot, but, but, and this is actually, this blew me away when I was starting to look at it a little bit deeper this, this week, you know, um, what's going on with the word redeemer. I thought I knew it, but, but, you know, thinking you know something, actually knowing something are two different things when we talk about the Bible. Any questions or comments about any of these? And again, give me some names. Yes, go ahead, Harvey. Yes. I just wanted to mention about the, going back to uh, Thomas. Yeah, yeah. The disciple, because he's the one who went to India. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff there. They have a, a wonderful church there. Yeah. He's buried there. Yeah, yeah. But the story is that, uh, I forgot what it was, but somebody came up behind him with a spear. And, you know, that was the end of Thomas, but... Oh, okay. Suffered in terms of suffered for his safety. Yeah, yeah, because I had always heard that what I, I read, you know, one, now of course, I don't know how, how true this is, but that he actually had been skinned alive, flayed alive, and that was how Tom, Thomas died. So, so uh, but anyway, so, so and, and of course, the only, only one of the apostles who dies a natural death would be John, um, but John is exiled and obviously suffered tremendously for the sake of the gospel in his own life. And, and so he had been suffered tremendous persecution. So, so we, we can't say, oh, well, Thomas, you know, John, oh, look how, look how good his life turned out. Well, no, no. You know, none of, the, none of these apostles who sit at the feet of Jesus have what by any earthly measurement would be called an easy life. I mean, for example, we know that, that, they were, that John was beaten. You know, all the apostles are beaten for the sake of the gospel. And when I say beaten, it's not just, you know, a little tap. They're, you know, physically bruised, you know, suffered great physical injury, even in the, gospel, in the, in the book of Acts. And so, and, and so the, the real blessing is obviously in, in Jesus, more so than any, any, anything that we have in this life. So again, please look at those, those 101 names. If you have any interest, obviously I'm gonna keep on going. Okay, but, but if there are particular names of, or titles of Jesus you want uh, help with or just, wow, pastor, this would be interesting. Why don't you talk about this one? Please do, and if you don't have that sheet from last week, then, then email me or, or text me and I'll get back to you and, and, and give you a PDF of it. Okay, God bless you. And, and again, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. As we begin another church year, the time of Christ, our Lord Jesus.